All right, welcome back to another episode of Universe Sports Talk here with Caleb Turner. Jackson Payne. And uh, we're here on a Monday to recap the game against Utah State last Friday. Uh, dub. We, yeah, it was a dub. Dub. 5-0 and BYU football team. Just a lot of uh, a lot of emotions, a lot of a lot of th- kind of the, p- the pressure seems to be mounting a little bit for this team. The hype is mounting as well, or building, I guess. A lot of stoke going on. I mean, you're five and zero. You're tenth in the country. Um, big game against Boise State this week, but you just beat another one of your rivals. Looking to go three and zero against rivals this year. That's that's a lot to get excited about. So I mean, they're they're doing things that a lot of BYU teams don't do. So this is confirmed a special group, you know. And, and ranked number 10. Uh, you know, we, they've, they've gone up in the rankings every week so far this season uh, into the top 10 now with the win over USU and have another chance to make a bit of a splash with the win over uh, Boise State this week who, you know, Boise State's having a little bit of an off year along with, you know, some of the other teams that BYU's played such as Utah State and Utah. Um, you know, BYU won the uh, Beehive Boot, as they call it, the, the, the Utah title by being both Utah and Utah State. We could actually find it. There's an ongoing investigation into where exactly the Beehive Boot is. We've heard that the uh, BYU Athletic Communications Department is uh, trying to track it down, talking with both uh, U- USU and, and Utah to try and track down the Beehive Boot. But yeah, nonetheless, BYU, Utah champions. We got the wagon wheel, at least. Yeah. And Utah champions until Weber State dethrones us, but I think... Tom Homo was smart enough to keep them off our schedule, so exactly. we're going to be okay. We, we don't play them this year, you know. We'll see what happens in basketball. I think they play them in basketball later this year. I think we get uh, Dixie next year, I want to say. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there you go. Interesting new more D1 candidate. M- more in-state uh, opponents for us to demolish. Just kidding. Uh, yeah, always, always good to have those rivals. And it was reiterated today uh, in media availability, you know, that uh, the team definitely takes these rivalries seriously. I know there's been some talk in the past, you know, are Utah State and Boise State really rivals? You know, it seems like Utah, Utah is obviously the biggest rival, and it was great to get that win this year. Um, but it was interesting to see the players, you know, talk about, especially uh, Morgan Piper, who's from Idaho, uh, has kind of experience with, with a few of these different teams, mentioned that they really do see them all three as rivalries and kind of these competitive games they play every year. I feel like, you know, some rivalries are history-based, some are, like, fan-based. Utah's unique because you have the fans hate each other and the players low-key hate each other. <laughs> And you have that history of just ongoing drama between the two teams. Um, Boise State, I feel like, is more of a history rival. Like, if I meet a Boise State fan, I'm not going to be upset because, mm-hmm. I mean, I honestly respect them a lot as a program. And I think a lot of the coaches and players do at BYU as well. But just all of the things that have happened with Boise against Boise State in the past few years. Um, you have 2019, Baylor Romney stepped in, got the win. Last year, Zach Wilson just smacked them. Uh, 2018, went down to the wire when Wilson got tackled at the goal line. But, uh, I mean, there's just always good football between those two teams. It'll be fun. But then, of course, Utah State is much more – I mean, there's always some drama. It seems like every year yeah. a BYU quarterback gets hurt. But more than anything, the Utah State fans just absolutely loathe BYU. And we, we got to see that firsthand. We went up to the game in Logan. And those fans are something else, man. <laughs> yeah, so it was my it was my first time going to a game in Logan. Uh, a little background, you know, my, my dad's actually from Logan. So I've, I've been to Logan before. hadn't been to a football game there and actually this is my fir- the first away BYU game that I've ever been to so that was an interesting experience to see how the team the players and and also BYU fans kind of engage or you know function I guess on the road that was an interesting thing to see but yeah we, we had an interesting experience going up to Logan uh, we, we drove up there with our photographer uh, Dallin Wilkes whose photo you can see behind us uh, shout out Tyler Algier as well 
Um, so we drive up there, hit a bit of traffic on, on, on Friday afternoon. Late in Utah is just not, not, not the move. Some construction going on there, apparently. Some Don't you mean we went out to Ogden? Yeah, oh, Ogden, on my Friday? bad. Yeah, yeah, we went out to yeah. go see Utah State in Ogden. That would have been a much shorter trip, though, <laughs> luckily. So it, unfortunately, we had to go the, the full two hours all the way to Logan. All the way up in the sticks. Not, not unfortunately. It was great. I got to see my brother who lives up there. Um, got got some food. I got some good food. <laughs> I got some yeah, pizza. So I don't know if they got some. Let's good just food. talk about the media experience <laughs> up in Logan. So, uh, I was in the same boat. It was my first time uh, going to a BYU road game and covering it. My first time in Logan. Um, I'm pretty grateful to be in Provo because Logan did not seem like my kind of place. Mm. I mean, I'm sure people love it. I'm sure it's great. I'm sure there's great people there. More of a Provo guy myself. But um, yeah, we get there. Uh, Caleb had a little bit of trouble getting in <laughs> with the yeah more on that later <laughs> on the security we <laughs> got in fine and then we pull up to the press box so just for reference BYU has Takanos at every uh, football game Brazilian steakhouse it's like Brazilian steakhouse so it's it's kind of nice they have uh, Mr. Pib in the fridge <laughs> cookies he, it, he cares dope. a lot about the Mr. Pib I, I love the so Mr. Much. Pib <laughs> and so and and it's dope you know like it's good food good vibes pull up to the Utah State press box. Um, fountain soda, Pepsi Campus, so that's Plus. kind of an L, but like a soda fountain's dope. Like that's that's the one thing I'll give them. But <laughs> their their dinner spread is pot roast. They fed us like pot roast with beans and like white rice, cornbread. It was, you know, they they joke about Utah State being like the farmer school. They fed us a farmer's meal, <laughs> and bum, 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 bum. yeah, <laughs> exactly. And we didn't even get any of that Aggie ice cream. I was hoping they kind of flexed uh, that yeah. on us. Um, didn't even get to try that. And then the seating in the press box, really narrow rows, um, yeah. hard to walk up and down. The Wi-Fi in the stadium didn't work, <laughs> so we had to have our IT guy come and fix our computers. So I had the full first quarter without Wi-Fi, which is not ideal when you're trying to get the live stats and you're trying to tweet. And then most annoyingly of all is the, you know, I mean, love Lavelle's house, love watching football games there. The view in the press box is the best. It's the best view in college football by far. <laughs> really incredible. The view in Logan would be better if half of the field wasn't blocked <laughs> by the bottom of the window. Like, the window is, like, really high up. So, luckily, I have a long neck, so I could see over. Yeah. But, like, for, for most other people, it's a bit obstructive. Such as myself. I am not over six feet tall. Do not have a long neck. I ended up having to stand for, like, most of the second half to be able to see what was going on. Also, we had our, our stat guy for Utah State behind us. Yeah. Who's like doing Sh his own out, play. Shout out USU stat guy. USU stat guy. Flag, flag, flag. <laughs> his, his commentary was the best. He was extremely engaged. Uh, very engaged. Big fan. Glad he had a good – well, he was having a good time for most of the game until the end. But yeah. anyway. But, you know, I mean, all the all drama aside, all Wi-Fi, pot roast, just craziness aside – uh, very good football game. Yeah. A lot of fun to watch. A lot of good takeaways. We're going to dive into that right now. Yeah, the actual game was a lot of fun, actually. And just to, to just to put a nice ribbon on the Logan experience, I'll just share what happened to me at the gate. Um, so a lot of stadiums these days have a clear bag policy or a no bag policy where you really can't bring any kind of bag in just for security purposes. And um, as, as media, you don't really have an issue because they kind of expect you to have a bag with a laptop or cameras or whatever it might be, right? So I walk up. And I have my backpack with my laptop, laptop in it and, and some other things, you know, chargers and whatnot. And, and the guy at the gate was not going to let me in with the bag. He's like, you can, you can leave it in the bushes if you want uh, during the game, but you can't bring it in. Anyway, so after a little, a little bit of a discussion, he brings a supervisor over and she ends up letting me in because I, I explained to him that I was media, but I guess he didn't hear me because I showed her my media pass and she ended up letting me in. Anyway, 
this is not meant to be you know a scathing review or necessarily of of Logan or of Utah State. Just just sharing our experience and, and kind of what, what went on over the weekend. It was a fun road trip. It was a good road trip. You know, good, good time with the boys. Fridays are for the boys. Uh, it, you know, we had a good time. The the student section for Utah State. Got to give them credit. They all showed up. Uh, they brought the energy, yeah. but it wasn't positive energy. I'll say that it Definitely was. Uh, not. They they sure hate us, and they they were quick to let us know. I mean, I was. I was on the field before the game doing some video for social, getting some tweets out, seeing who was injured, giving injury updates and whatnot. And I have, like, the student section cursing me out behind <laughs> me, like, ah, you know, <laughs> just... All, all manner of... Uh, all manner of... Uh, expletives. Weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. <laughs> and I'm just, like... I'm not even wearing, like, BYU gear. I'm wearing just, like, a flannel and, and, and khaki pants, you know, just regular reporter outfit. And I guess just being on the BYU sideline is enough to just have them hate you <laughs> and, and rain hatred on you but you know it was it was a good time it's it's nice to have the attention uh, yeah yeah and at the end of the day they hate us because they ain't us and <laughs> well we, and we I, won <laughs> i think there was definitely i mean the energy definitely contributed to the game you know we saw videos of you know some bad energy like you were saying like throwing some, some fans throwing some bottles onto the players um, because the usu student section was directly behind the BYU bench questionable move in my opinion yeah um, uh, <laughs> you, you, you hear about the rock you know like byu student section the rock they've had a lot of great press this year um, obviously, all the penalties they had against Arizona State, just really great energy they've brought. People are noticing on like a, a national scale. And Utah State had the chance to kind of do the same thing. Like they had a big, very it yeah, was a blackout. A lot like of people. Very passionate student section. And they made the horrific PR mistake of putting the BYU bench right in front of their student section. Yeah. That's going to lead to conflict on both sides. Like y you can't, <laughs> you can't freaking do that. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, there were. Th there was there were some videos that came out, a video of the bottles being thrown, then a video of some uh, BYU players splashing some water under under the uh, USU fans. Seems like everything was resolved in the end. You know, nobody got into any any actual fights. Gunnar Romney ended up actually going up into the stands and grabbing a sign that said "Gunner is a stupid name," and he took some pictures and got a, got video with it, and that that was all fun. So I think it ended up being a good experience, and I, I honestly think that the energy from that from that student section contributed to. BYU going out there and really leaving no prisoners. Yeah, I'm glad that Utah State student section was as hostile as they were, solely because it was a good test for BYU to see how legit they really are. Mm. Because going into that season, you play, you just got off three straight home games, great showing from the fans of BYU. So they knew they could play in their own stadium, they could play in front of their own fans. They went to Vegas week one, um, big NFL stadium, mostly BYU fans there. So they. You know they were they they were used to playing when they're the good guys, mm. and now they have to go to Logan where their BYU is hated by everyone, and the fans were going to come out and have their signs and throw their trash and, and curse at you, and you know it was like the absolute middle of the storm, and the Cougars came out and I don't think it's it didn't really phase them you know like uh, Tyler Algier said after the game that they it was very hostile, yeah. but you know it, it didn't phase BYU they've they've proven that they can win road games. Um, 2018, they beat Wisconsin on the road in Camp Randall. That's not easy to win at. Um, they beat Tennessee on the road two years ago. So Kalani Sataki's shown that he can bring his team on the road and win games. And for this year's team specifically, the Utah State game was a great great way to kind of just break in and, and have that confidence that you can go on the road and win games. Because, you know, their road schedule is not a cakewalk down the stretch. They got Baylor in about two weeks. They, get to, uh, they go to USC later in the season. And if you can win in Logan mm. against that kind of crowd, like you, you could probably win anywhere. And they have the talent to do it. They have the, the play calling and execution to do it. So that now they just need to do it. Yeah, no, definitely. I feel like the one, the one word to describe kind of the energy and composure of the BYU team is just confidence. 
Like, and I, I know Kalani Sataki just kind of oozes confidence as well, and he has confidence in his players, and they have confidence in each other. There's, there's always been a lot of talk about, you know, trust in each other, having each other's backs this season, and that, I think that really came through uh, in Logan or Ogden, you know, wherever you tested, actually, as we're not sure. Yeah, but we're not sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I feel the same way. I think um, – I think that this team has a lot of swagger and mm. that they know who they are and they kind of flaunt it. Uh, the Nikuo brothers obviously brought a lot of that swagger yeah. and they showed a lot of that swagger to the Utah State section. Uh, <laughs> but for sure, for sure. Yeah, but confidence is a good thing. But it's not co it's not a cockiness, you mm. know. I don't think they've gotten to the point where it's a very likable confidence, you know. For sure, yeah. Like, you look at some of those Lavelle teams back in the day. Um, I remember there's a Sports Illustrated article, one of the classic SI stories about how everyone hated BYU mm. because they supposedly played dirty. People were pissed that Ty Detmer got the Heisman and that they won the national title. And it was just kind of this culture of BYU being like the big bad boys from Brinker, basically. And now I feel like, you know, there's there's incidents here and there, but people mostly like BYU. And unless you're playing that, there, there's a, I feel like there's a genuine respect for BYU as a program and for what they do. I mean, it's it's not that hard when you hear some of the stories that these guys have. I mean. Tyler Algier was about to quit the team, got a scholarship. He's one of the best running backs in the country now. Peyton Wilgar was living in his car, wow, got yeah. a scholarship. Just some of these great stories that players have and just what they do on the field too. I mean, you see how much, how badly they want it. You see how much heart they put in the team and into the game. And so that, that it's that confidence that they've sacrificed a lot. They've given a lot into it. And more than that, they, they recognize the sacrifices and efforts put in by their teammates. And so it's a collective trust that if we just do our job, everyone's going to succeed and the team's going to succeed as a whole. It's kind of that Bill Belichick Patriot way of just do your job. And I feel like Sataki, they, they call him the Ted Lasso of college football <laughs> coaches. Yeah. Um, I'm you you got to start watching Ted Lasso, I need to watch Ted Lasso, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm on a that 70s show kick. But okay, uh, <laughs> okay. But, I mean, you know, that that's what it's all about is everyone doing their job, everyone knowing their job first off and holding them accountable to do so. And that's what Kalani Sataki and, and the rest of the coaches have kind of implemented in that culture. And this week, I mean, I have a story coming out about Kalani's culture that he's built at BYU in our Daily Universe magazine that you can read about. And it's it's something that I feel like one of the really cool things that Kalani does is he gives everyone a voice, mm. kind of like every meeting's a forum. It's not here's our thing and we're just forcing it on people. He's letting them create their own legacy, create their own culture. And it's really unique and it, it's working really well because, you know, people love Kalani and the team members have that confidence, not in themselves, but in their, each other that they're going to get the job done. And it's showing. So... They're they're tenth in the country because of that reason. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, BYU is winning, and there's been a lot of other things that have just kind of contributed to really, really good PR for the team over the last little bit. And the coolest thing about it is that it it seems to be really organic. Like there there there's actually you know these real emotions and real trust behind the good PR, good behavior, you know, just good vibes in general. Um, and that you know that goes into all aspects of it. it goes into the nil uh, nil deals that have been signed uh, with with Built Bar. Um, you know, kind of how BYU blazed a trail with like that team-wide deal. Um, you know, we, we've done, a, we've talked a lot about that as well. And I, th I think that goes into some of the good PR, you know, joining the Big 12, winning all these games, you know, having a guy like Kalani Sataki who um, is great with the press, a very positive person. You know, when he talks about the rivalry, he doesn't talk about disliking another team. He just talks about, you know, competing and playing their best against them and, and not wishing them, wishing bad things upon them at, at any point. Um, just, just a lot of, a lot of love. His, his slogan for this team has been love and learn. And I think that's just really come through. And I think it's like a real organic thing. Absolutely. And I think one of the biggest things about PR and being able to bark at yourself as well as you do is, is being good at football. Mm. Um, Isaac Rex said today, uh, yeah. when somebody asked him about NIL deals, excuse me, they, uh, <laughs> they asked him how he was doing with it. And he said that 
he's focusing on football because, in his words, he can't get NIL deals if he sucks at football. Yeah. And it's the same for BYU. You can't get good PR. You can't market yourself the way that you want to if you're not good at football. I mean, if Coy Detmer Jr. is the quarterback of this team, no one would be talking about us for any reason, you know? Right, right. And so because of these, because of this culture of love and learn, because of just all the players have bought in, the execution on the field, most importantly, th they can market themselves, and it's BYU's a legitimate program, and they're relevant, and, you know, I didn't think this was going to happen <laughs> as, as soon as it has. And so it, it's been really enjoyable to watch, and I, I feel like the players and the coaches especially are really just enjoying being here, and they're not taking any, for, any of it for granted. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think, it, I mean, you mentioned, though, that it, se it seems to be kind of sudden, you know, this, this kind of uh, takeoff or, or, you know, ascension for BYU football. But, you know, Kalani's talk, he's been here for, fi for five years. Um, and I think it goes back to, you know, that, that first win that he got against Arizona his first year. I think even then, you, like people, he was super likable. People loved him. He was dancing after that win. You know, all the expressions and the emotion that you could see coming through. Um, but they weren't always winning was the yeah. issue, right? You go to 2016, you go to 2017, have a losing season. And so I think that's kind of where there was like the conflict or there wasn't, they didn't get the nationwide recognition because they weren't winning. He's always been a great guy. Kalani's always been this positive force and they've always had a really, really good culture. Obviously, you know, it took some time for him to get buy-in from all the players because he was taking over a program that he hadn't recruited most of the players. But now we're getting to the point where, where he has and he's been able to institute that culture. Yeah, absolutely. And that was one thing when um, I was putting together interviews for my story about Kalani's culture. One thing that he said is he, he knows he's made a lot of mistakes, but he's been able to learn from them and, and mm. move forward. And that's something that we've really seen is his ability to rebound from those mistakes. You know, he starts off one in nine against rivals in his whole career. He had one win against Utah State in 2016, and he had lost every other game against the rivals after losing to Utah in the opener in 19. And since then, he's beaten every rival. He is undefeated against rivals since then. Wow. And Power 5 teams, you know, they've won five of six against Power 5s, I, I want to say. I might have the numbers right there. Yeah. And so he's, I mean, Kalani Sataki is a legitimate college football coach. And he's, he could go down as the second best coach in school history behind Lavelle. Um, no disrespect to Bronco Mendenhall. Love yeah. him. Saved the program. We'll talk more about him later. But, uh, you know, Kalani, he, he's done what he said he was going to do. And that's an amazing thing. And, you know, it's, he, I'm really glad that he's getting the recognition he deserves because it's it's a tough job and there's a lot that goes into it that people don't see, and I feel like the love and respect that he's getting right now is kind of making making it all worth it. So it's been great. But getting into the on-field antics of the Brigham Young Fighting Cougars, um, <laughs> let's talk Utah State for a bit. Just maybe just overall thoughts of the game, biggest concerns, biggest surprises. Um, I was gonna say my biggest surprise from the game is that Jake Oldroyd missed a field goal. Yeah, holy cow. Um, you don't see that very often. <laughs> He's one of the best kickers in the country. And it wasn't even his longest attempt, attempt of the night. Oh, not even. <laughs> um, you know, that was his second appearance of the season. Played in the Utah game. Justin Smith been holding down the kicking fort uh, as Oldroyd deals with the bad back. Justin's been doing a great job. But Jake comes back, one of the best kickers in the country. Makes his first field goal, so he's got 16 in a row. All-time BYU record for consecutive makes. Um, you know, they call him Jake the Nake for a reason. <laughs> and then he misses the next attempt, and it's just a, it's a bit confusing, you know. But yeah. He, he's a great kicker. He'll rebound, and he, he's doing just fine. So, I mean, nothing against Jake. Not, it didn't really matter in the game. It was just kind of surprising. Like, wow, like, you literally just set the record for most consecutive makes, and then you missed one. So, it was, honestly, it was just funny more than anything, but he'll – no worries about Jake at all. No, definitely. And I think, I think that this has come through um, in, in a few of the pieces we've done on the special teams for, for BYU football. Just, I mean, the, the level of, like, perfection that that, that that group has is pretty insane. You know, you've got – potential NFL talents in both the punter and the kicker. 
Um, and so I think it's just surprising when it doesn't go completely right because yeah. we're just so used to them performing at such a high level. You know, with rec I mean, both the punter and the kicker have broken BOU records this year. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> which, which is which is pretty insane. So yeah, we ha we have one of the better <laughs> kicking duos in the country, and yeah. it's it's so nice because one, special teams has not always been BYU's strength. I don't want to name names, but we've had some punters that that were real stinkers. Um, I, I can remember one <laughs> the Utah game in 2018 when they blew the big lead. There was a 22 or 17 yard punt. Not what you want. Not what you want. And then Rico just casually boots off an 83 yarder. Yeah, so yeah, it's a little different. You know, it's it's all. I mean, I personally, I'm fascinated by special teams. I love it. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I've written a lot of special teams pieces this week. I mean, this year. This I, week. I, multiple I, this week. Multiple this week. Honestly, it feels like it though. <laughs> yeah. there's, al there's always something to talk about. I just I love special teams. I love that BYU has made that uh, a big cornerstone part of their program. Um, Coach Lamb, Gavin Fowler, grad assistant. They've been doing a great job. And, you know, th they're very deep, too. I mean, Justin Smith's come up and made some big kicks for the Cougars. Um, Cash Peterman's in that room as well. He can, I mean, from TikTok, he can. He looks like he can kick it. We haven't seen him in a game <laughs> yet. But, you know, Oldroyd and Rico are two NFL talents, and it's been really fun to have them here in Provo and hoping that they stay for a long time. And it goes to the punt returner as well, you know, the mm -hmm. guy on the opposite side of the field in Hobbs Nyberg. I know you want to give a shout-out to him for, you know, a pretty impressive performance against Utah State. Um, you know, we, you don't always hear about the punt returner, kick returner, um, but he had a couple nice returns, and, and I think kind of surprised some people with what he was able to do on those drives. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this year I've always kind of had to hold my breath when I see him <laughs> go to catch a punt. He's muffed. He's muffed at least one. Yeah. I, he might have a second muff this year, where he's fumbled a punt, but obviously he hasn't given up a fumble. And you know, he's he's grown on me. I've, he's he's kind of gained my he's gained my support as the punt <laughs> returner. He's yeah. had he had a really nice return against Utah State. And, you know, special teams is so crucial to have every aspect of it. Just very, very, uh, what's the word? Uh, like fine-tuned. Fine -tuned. Yes, yeah. that's the exact. I was, like, doing a screwdriver <laughs> motion. Like, how do you? <laughs> Tuning. <laughs> but your, your special teams unit has to be very fine-tuned, very efficient, mm. very just, like, attention to detail. There's there's not a lot of room for error. There's no room for error. I yeah. mean, look at Michigan State, Michigan, 2015. Right, right. One of my favorite games ever, the, the punt gone wrong at the end where they scored and won. Yep. And that's. You know, that, that was like the most minute detail mm. that got overlooked and it led to disaster. And so they've had an incredible attention to detail and incredible um, effectiveness, if that's the right word, for on their special teams. And it shows, I mean, special teams is literally swinging games for BYU at times, yeah. with, whether it be Rico or Oldroyd or however it goes. But, you know, Coach Lamb and, and Gavin Fowler are doing a great job of uh, keeping those players and getting them to add the most that they can. And honestly, I think that goes all the way up to Kalani once again. You know, whenever you ask him about, you know, how practices are going or what he sees from the team or how they're preparing, he, he always says, you know, in all three phases of the game, he always mentions special teams alongside the offense and the defense. Um, and I, I know, I, you know, maybe a lot of coaches do that, but I think it, for me it's always just emphasized the fact that, oh, like, wow, he actually mentioned the special teams. You know, he, he's actually yeah. thinking about them on a daily basis. And that they probably do. I guess I just as a media member you don't really think about the head coach thinking about special teams on a daily basis. Yeah, and that goes back to another part of Kalani that I love. Uh, just a quick side note is I feel like he's brought some great coaches on his staff. Mm. He is a great support system. That was something that Lavelle did really well. Um, Bronco, I was one of his kind of Achilles heels is his assistants or coaching staff members weren't always the strongest. And But Kalani's brought some great names and some great coaches on the staff. Obviously, Aaron Rodgick at offensive coordinator has been phenomenal. He might be the best coach that they have. Um, Caleb and I were talking about earlier how we're afraid that he's going to get a, a big offer here sometime yeah. soon to, to go to a, a bigger program because, you know, he's done some incredible work. I mean, I guess your stat of the day 
is since the start of 2020, BYU quarterbacks as a whole, whether that be Zach Wilson, Baylor Romney, Jaron Hall, Jacob Conover, 46 touchdown passes to six interceptions. Wow. Unbelievably efficient and effective. And, and across four quarterbacks. <laughs> across four quarterbacks. You know, they do not have turnover quarterbacks. And yeah. that's something that uh, Coach Roderick has said a lot is they're always very dialed into the turnover margin. Mm. And they want to control the football. They want to keep the football. Yeah. It's kind of like, I feel like I'm a big baseball guy, and that's something like Earl Weaver, one of the great managers, would say is you have 27 outs mm. to give away, and you don't want to really waste your outs. Those are the most valuable asset you have as, as an offense. And it's the same way with football where you have drives and opportunities to push the ball downfield, and if you waste it with a dumb turnover, it, it's going to kill you in the end. And so Coach Roderick has done a really good job of taking care of the football and making sure that the quarterbacks know what's expected of them and, you know, keeping the ball safe. And that's a that's a plus 40 margin. Yeah. That's insane. In, in 2017, I love bagging on this season because it was so awful. <laughs> um, no disrespect to Ty Detmer. I love him. Best quarterback ever. But <laughs> quarterbacks on the 2017, there was not a single quarterback who had more touchdown passes than interceptions. Mm. And – so quickly has has the tide turned yeah no definitely and, and i think that you know once once again we, we can we can talk about kalani all day you know i've got him in my shirt here uh done, done a great I, I don't done, done a great job he's got he's got blink 182 another very important uh part of un the universe sports team though blink 182 so shout out they, they fuel us you uh jackson going to see angels and airwaves tomorrow so. I, I sure am gonna see my boy tom belong asking his thoughts about byu and their <laughs> strong start to the season ask him what he thinks about tyler algiers tomahawk takeaway yes indeed because speaking of the, the name tom is in the tomahawk <laughs> takeaway so yeah i mean th that that's a very good point though you know that the tomahawk takeaway you know, it happened on a turnover, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I think you're, you're spot on with talking about turnovers, how we, you know, they can't give up these offensive possessions by, by giving up turnovers. We saw that in the second half of the USF game, um, how, you know, we didn't have as many offensive possessions. I think they had less than they anticipated just because of how long the defense was, was on the field for. And we're, we're going to delve a little more into the defense as well just here in a second. Um, but I think you're spot on with just saying, you know, this team values each possession. Um, and knows that they have to get things done. That's I think that's why we see you know a lot of a lot of deep shots. You know they're they're really trying to take advantage of each possession by by get, getting it downfield, getting it down there quick, so they can get more possessions, more time on offense, and give that defense a little more of a break. Hopefully, absolutely. And that's one of the things. I mean, you see, I think when opposing teams are scouting BYU and they're game planning, they know that against BYU's defense, they can have those really long mm. clock grinding drives. It's not that hard to do against BYU's defense. It's a bend-don't-break unit. We know that. Um, they make the big turnovers. You saw Malik Moore's pick. Um, they've had some great fumble recoveries, interceptions. They're down sacks. But it's, it's a unit that gets pushed around a bit, the defense. And, you know, it's one of those things that no matter how long the defense is on the field, if you can just take advantage of every offensive possession that you have yeah. to the m maximum capacity and not waste a single opportunity to take care of the football, you're always going to be fine. You know, and that's something that even when BYU gets killed in time of possession, they've made the most of their drives. They've been very efficient on offense. I mean, you got Baylor Romney's the backup quarterback. He's completed 80% of his passes this year. 80%. 80. Ooh. That's significantly higher Ooh, that's than high. what you should do as a backup quarterback. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and so you have guys like that who are efficient. They take care of the ball. They push the ball downfield, and they score, most of all. And it doesn't matter what the defense does. You know, It doesn't matter how many yards the defense gets pushed downfield for or how all along they're on the field. You know, you worry about that later in the season with the wear and tear. Kalani's always talking about guys being banged up. And you don't want to lose those guys to the season. You don't want long drives to kind of ruin the game the way they did against Coastal Carolina last year. But, you know, when you guys – you have home run hitters like Algier or Gunnar Romney, 
and you take those deep shots, but most importantly, you take care of the football, it's the perfect antidote for when they want to grind the clock on the opposing offense. And so that's something that BYU knows their strengths, but most importantly, they know their weaknesses, mm. and they know what to do in order to counteract that. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, while we're, ta while we're talking about injuries a little bit, you know, and, and as we begin to talk about the defense as well, we can talk about, um, you know, some things that happened against, happened against Utah State where there were some injuries, uh, guys that came back as well. Uh, you know, on the defensive side, we had Tyler, ba Tyler Batty come back on the defensive line, which was huge, you know, just causing a lot of disruption. Um, there were there were quite a few tackles for loss. Uh, shout out Ben Bywater as well. Mm -hmm. and I know you kind of wanted to mention him as well. Yeah, uh, definitely one of my other bigger surprises of the game. I know that was kind of like what we first got on this tangent. But yeah. Um, besides the old droid miss, which you know he's he's going to rebound from. Uh, my biggest surprise of the game was Ben Bywater. He's been phenomenal this year. He's the team's leading tackler. It's not easy to step up for Keenan Peely, defensive captain, mm. um, leading tackler on the team, probably the best player on the defense all around. And Bywater stepped in, and he's been the leading tackler in every single game since he's been there, which a lot of that is scheme. I think uh, Coach Kloon, the linebackers coach at Media Day, he was telling me that that position, I don't, I mean, they have a bunch of like weird names, right. like Rover, Flash, whatever. Whatever that position is that Peely's at was supposed to be, it's designed to be the tackling position. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me that Bywater. Gets the gets the tackles he does, but he had three tackles for loss. Two of them were on the first drive of the game. I was gonna say, yeah, he That's started unreal. hot. That's unreal. Yeah, you do not like no defense starts the game with two tackles for loss, let alone one player. Unlike yeah. the first four plays, yeah, which is just unreal. And then he had a sack as well. Um, he had a huge fourth down stop to to stall the Aggie drive. And that's something you know Bywater's been great at stepping up. And the defense, you know, they've they've lost some big names in. Um, Isaiah Heron's been out. Yeah. I think did came, he came, came back last he, game. He came back last yep. game, but you've had him out for a bit. Tyler Batty was out for a game. Keenan Ellis. Keenan Ellis. Continues to be out. Yeah, we, we hope that he comes back soon. But and, and then, of course, Peely. You know, they have these guys that have been out, and the defense has been a little worn out. They've been yeah. pushed around a bit. But in the second half of that Utah State game, I feel like they really put their foot down. They found their identity, and they did what they knew they could do. And I feel like that might have been a turning point for the rest of the season because – the whole rest of the season depends on the defense. We know the offense can score no matter who's under center. We know Tyler Algier is a top five running back in all of college, perhaps even top three if he's, you know, tomahawking other guys. <laughs> it's just Wink, dude. But <laughs> one of those things is, like, if, if, if the defense just does their job, BYU's going to be fine, and they have a decent passing undefeated season. I don't want to be running the 12-0 train, but it's, it's very possible. We can't pretend like it's not because if, if they don't pretend like it's not possible, it's not going to happen. And so I feel like in the second half against Utah State, the defense really tightened up. They, there was some sort of transformation where they understood what they could do, and they, and they played up to expectations. And a lot of that has been Bywater. So I think when these guys come in to get – like when, when the depth is put into these kind of positions, there might be some growing pains. But once they get settled in, I mean, they have a very deep team. They have a team that can execute on all aspects of the football. We've talked about all three phases of the game with special teams. And, you know, you were seeing it right now. We saw it against Utah State, those big third downs and fourth downs as well. And so I don't think that the defense that we saw against USF in the first half of Utah mm. State is BYU's actual defense. I think BYU's actual defense is what we saw the second half of Utah State. Yeah, and I, I think I think what you said about, you know, kind of settling in and having that consistency is super key. Um, Kalani Stocky talked a little bit about uh, Keenan Peely's injury today and just kind of how big that was, a big, big, how big a blow that was to the team. And I think we kind of underrated it at first just because the team was undefeated they were still playing well. They were still winning games, and so it didn't seem like a huge issue. But I think on among the players and just on that defensive side, I think it was a huge loss. Uh, and I think that really affected them, you know, in, the, in that USF game and then, you know, coming, maybe coming into Utah State a little bit as well. 
Um, but they've been able to find those other pieces that have kind of stepped in. Um, and, you know, hopefully, you know, at some point, maybe they can get Keenan Ellis back. They got Isaiah Heron back, Tyler Batty back. So I think as you kind of see that group to get a little more, a little healthier and a little more consistent, I think they'll continue to impress and surprise a lot of people. Absolutely. And something that we've, I think we've mentioned before is, but Chaz Ayu's been kind of mm, moving around yeah. positions here and there. He was at safety, you know, he's at linebacker. He's kind of this weird hybrid type deal, the, um, like Jabril Preppers or whatever, kind of the weird college hybrid. And he's, he's a very effective player, but I feel like his position causes a bit of a disconnect on the defense where BYU has two secondaries. They have a pretty decent group that can make big plays that we've seen from Malik Moore, Jacob Robinson. Um, I mean, it's a pretty talented secondary, but then when BYU blitzes, the secondary just is, they're non-existent. The the passer rating is like two, two something when BYU blitzes, which is kind of nuts. I don't know if that's a, like, I'll have to fact check that, but it's, it feels that way at least. Right, right. And so, when you have when you tinker with the defense in the middle of the season with with, with Chaz, for example, like I said, there's going to be growing pains. It's going to take time to develop, but then once it's solidified, you're set. And so I think the defense. There's been some moving pieces with the injuries and trying to get guys in, but their their defense is good to go. They're rolling and th- they'll be just fine. Yeah, and I think as as we start to kind of wrap up a little bit, um, you know, kind of finalizing the injury stuff. Got to talk about the quarterbacks, obviously, mm-hmm. right? Um, as seems to always happen with Utah State. Injuries at the quarterback position. You know, Jaron Hall was actually not even available to play. He was in street clothes. Once again, for the second week in a row, uh, Baylor Romney gets a start, um, goes out at halftime injured, likely a concussion, some kind of head injury, um, was, was wearing sunglasses, um, you know, and earplugs after the game. Um, and Jacob, uh, Jacob Conover comes in second half um, and, and starts that. So we've seen three different quarterbacks play um, a decent amount of minutes for, for BYU so far this season. Um, and it's pretty much up for grabs. Who's gonna, who's gonna play against Boise State this week? Yeah, I. It's it's nice because now Boise State has to game plan for three quarterbacks. True, true. Which is a huge advantage to have, especially yeah. a guy like Conover when they have to put a lot of focus into Conover possibly starting. Right. When you have no film on him and you know nothing about him, because you know he's a he's a legit quarterback. He had Alabama offer. Yeah. Um, he is the future of BYU football. He didn't really show it against Utah State. Didn't expect him to. I mean, all he has to do is just hand the football off to Algier, and y- you saw what happened. But <laughs> 67 yards, baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so if I had to guess, I'd say that Jaron plays because, you know, Kalani said he was medically cleared to play, and they just felt like it was safer to be conservative and, and hold him out because, you know, they, they have to know that quarterbacks are always getting hurt against Utah State. <laughs> you can start Romney. He's got the hot hand and then just kind of roll the dice there instead of putting Jaron Hall in that situation in front of a hostile crowd, mm. sitting out a week, and against a tough t- – I mean, Utah State was probably, like, the second most talented team BYU played, but it's a rivalry game. Right. Tensions are always high. There's always injuries. There's always drama. And so to put Romney in there where he's kind of, like, already settled in is the smart move and, and not risk Hall getting hurt, especially because Hall did get the start last time they played in 2019, right, got right. hurt. And so I would expect Jaron Hall to play, but – that's that's just me. I don't I don't have any like actual intel on that, but that was that's my expectation. Yeah, and we're gonna do a, a, a podcast later this week to kind of preview Boise State as it is. It's a, it's a big game on ABC national television, uh, one thirty kickoff here. So we're gonna talk a lot more about that later in the week. Yeah. But yeah, just to kind of give you guys just a little bit of an idea of, of what's been going on around, around here. Um, you know, Kalani has reiterated multiple times. Um, you know that Jaron technically, yeah, he's he's been healthy and and probably could play. But one phrase that he's used a lot is that. They want to make sure that Jaron can protect himself, uh, which, which I think is really interesting. Um, and, you know, that was a concern coming into the season. You know, 
Jaron Hall um, has had a lot of injuries in the past, had concussions back in 2019, sat all of last year uh, with an injury as well. Um, and so that, that's kind of an interesting development. I'm not quite sure what to make of that. Um, I, for one, obviously hope that Jaron gets, gets the chance to play uh, again, showed some great things over those first three games, beat Utah, obviously a fantastic player, great guy on the team, a captain. Um, so, so hopefully he can get back in there. Um, but it definitely seems like, you know, it's not necessarily just the injury at this point, but rather just kind of the tendency um, to be injured again, to maybe, maybe turn the ball over and not be as efficient on offense as maybe a guy like Baylor or Jacob could be. Yeah, I think you saw for as safe and poised and yet fearless as Hall was against Arizona and Utah, you saw a very reckless Jaron Hall against Arizona State, especially mm. in the second half when it was crunch time. And, you know, he had the pick before halftime. Um, that, that was essentially a punt, didn't matter. And then there was the pick, just poor decision-making, threw the ball when he shouldn't have. And Algier got the ball back on the takeaway. But, you know, he, he took some hits. He had some decisions that he made, and it appeared very reckless. And you got worried because you know his injury history, and you yeah. don't want him to, to screw himself over. And something that we talked about was I was breaking down video on our social about how I felt like BYU was being a little overcautious with, mm. with Jaron Hall. It kind of reminds me of Taysom Hill, his last year in 2016, where they were very dialed back in how they used him because they knew of his injury history. Where, I mean, they could use Jaron's legs a lot more. They could do, I mean, you got Tyler Algier. He could, they could run such a nasty read option yeah. with Algier. And oh then you throw word. Katoa or Mason Wake in there, too. Yeah. You could have a really nice triple Or, or, or even you know guys like Samson and Puka running those crossing yeah, routes. exactly. There's, there's a lot of creative stuff they could do. Um, obviously, they don't have to because they're pushing the ball downfield just fine. Um, I'd like to see Jared maybe use the middle of the field a bit more with the tight ends. I'd like to see him use his legs a bit more, especially earlier in the game, because I think the passing game is directly respondent to his ability to run the football. But... You know, he, he against Arizona State, there was some reckless, I don't want to say irresponsible, but maybe just, uh, it just, it wasn't as, it wasn't as polished as, right. as you saw. And then Romney comes in. Romney, I think, played, you could put his three quarters against USF, just the whole game against USF and then first half against Utah State, maybe three of the best quarters you've ever seen <laughs> for a BYU football quarterback. It's pretty absurd. Pretty I mean, the absurd. fact that he's completing 80% of his passes, that that's basically all you needed to know. 80% <laughs> of his passes, five touchdowns, ratings like 210, I think. Yeah. Come on, dude. <laughs> that, and this is a guy who before this season I thought was like, honestly, the fourth best quarterback on BYU's roster. Right, right. Because Jaron, you pretty much knew he was going to be the starter. Jacob's the future. And then a guy like Cade Fennigan. I'm really high on Fennigan. Who played in a lot of games at Boise. Who played at, uh, against yeah. Boise. Who played against BYU for Boise. He's, yeah. a, he's a really good quarterback as well. But Baylor's stepped up. You know, he's made improvements. He's so poised. He's so polished. And, he, I mean, he's, he's done a great job. So, honestly, like, no matter who they start at quarterback, you got to be confident. that They have three legitimate quarterbacks on the roster. Uh, Cade, obviously, he's the scout team quarterback. He's not eligible this year. Yeah. But between Romney, Hall, and Conover, you do not have to worry about anybody playing quarterback for the Cougars. It's going to be just fine, as long as you don't have any season-ending injuries. Yeah, 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 for sure. And, and make sure you're following all of our social media channels, uh, Instagram, Twitter, at Daily Univ Sports. We'll have updates throughout the week and leading up to the game as well, obviously, against Boise State. Um, and we'll have another podcast coming at you guys uh, pretty soon. So make sure you stay tuned to that stuff. Um, send us any questions if you have them so that we can uh, respond to them here on the podcast and on our social media. We'll, we'll be putting out some more videos as well, kind of breaking down some film and breaking down some things that we're seeing. 
and also as we get, start getting into basketball season, uh, we'll be doing a little bit, a little bit of basketball stuff, both uh, with with videos, podcasts, and then with some written content as Men well. Men and women's basketball, because both teams are going to be very good Ooh, this year. They will be good. The we Coug- are the excited. Cougars, Cougars are looking nice. The Cougars rise and shout, guys. Good, good the time. Cougars good time to be a are Cougar. out. <laughs> wow. So uh, stay tuned. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Peace out.